Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Hi, everybody. My name is Susie, and I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is um, 8-6-21, and uh, little did I know how important that day was going to be for me, because that day I was given a second chance at life um, to live a happy and healthy life. Um, but I knew I had to do the work, and I was willing so, um, who I was. I was born in New Jersey, um, from a family of six. My parents, four of us kids, three girls and a boy, um, I'm the baby. And, um, there's a significant amount of years between me and my siblings. So, I kind of felt, um, that I wasn't growing up with them because they were so much older. I kind of felt like an only child. Um, I mean, they were always there for me, but um, I guess I just felt like I wasn't a part of them. Um, I came from a loving family. Uh, my parents were not drinkers. Um, my father's father, my grandfather, um, was an alcoholic, and he died of cirrhosis of the liver. Um, I had some aunts and uncles that uh, were definitely questionable, but it was never talked about, and they did not die from the disease. Um, sorry, I'm going, I'm cheating. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I came from a great family. Um, I was very shy, believe it or not. I know some of you don't believe that, but I was very shy as when I was younger. Um, I was that child that uh, was attached to my mother's hip. And, um, but everything, you know, there's nothing I can complain about in my childhood. At 17, I was um, date raped, and that person took away my rigidity. And um, he told me that he would kill me if I told anybody, and at that age, I believed him. So I held that in um, till I was 44, and the person I finally told was my boyfriend at the time but who today is my husband. Um, I've done a lot of therapy on that. Um, you know, there's still a compartment up there that um, it's there, but I, I uh, have accepted it, dealt with it the best that I can. Um, I don't know if that had any effect on um, how I always chose assholes to date. But um, I don't know. Did I not feel good enough? Did I? Not really sure. But um, And I was not drinking at that time, and either was he. Um, 
So I moved to Florida when I was 20 with my parents. And uh, my friend, uh, lifelong friends, moved down there with us. And um, we were waitressing, and, you know, the thing was to get to know people was to hang out in the bars. So that's what we did. Excuse me. And um, so in the beginning, it was um, pretty much every night, different clubs, different nights. Um, and, you know, now that I look back, on all the different levels of my alcoholism. Um, I, from when I started drinking, um, you know, I drank at high school parties and stuff like that, but right after I graduated, like, the Jersey Shore was where it was. I had fake ID, and I was going, and I know I'm going all over the place, but, um, you know, that was the thing to do. Fake ID, go out every night. So that's what I continued to do down in Florida. And, um, you know, um, just made really poor choices. Um, again, dated assholes. Um, and uh, I just, my whole life I suffered from low self-esteem. And today I still have that, but it's a work in progress. And um, I'm getting better about it. So finally, and um, I don't even remember what year it was when I got married first. Um, so I got married, and that lasted for two years. He was mentally and physically abusive to me. And um, after that marriage... Uh, again, the clubs were my scene, but at that time, I never thought of my drinking being a problem because everybody I hung out with was drinking the same amount, so, yeah, and, uh, so I did that for a while, and then I met, um, my second long-term relationship that I was in for 16 years, did not marry him, thank God. Um, he was in the restaurant business, and, um, he was, uh, a charmer in the beginning, and, um, as years went on, he, uh, we owned three restaurants together. I was a nail tech for 25 years, but, um, we owned three restaurants together, so at night, I would go there, um, so that was drinking on a daily basis every night. Um, he was, um, not faithful, slept with all the managers of our restaurants. Um, that made me drink more. Um, and it, it just got ugly. Um, I raised his daughter, um, that he had custody of for 16 years. Um, her and I no longer have a relationship. It's unfortunate, but I think it's for the better for both of us. Um, you know, he was um, involved with that uh, Italian group, as I call it, and I had no idea. So, you know, that was uh, 
craziness. I um, had a gun put to my head in my driveway um, because of his connection. Um, so it was like really toxic, but we were together for 16 years. Um, and uh, that brought me to the next level of my drinking. Um, I finally left him. I left everything except for my clothes and moved back in with my parents at 44. Um, my brother and my father said, Susie, just get away from him and just leave everything behind start a new life. So there, again, I was single, was going out, but I... I was not going out to meet somebody because I, uh, I was done with men. So, um, but again, I was drinking. And then um, I had a surgery. And a couple weeks after that, um, my mom and I went out to dinner and I met the uh, most wonderful man ever. He is now my husband. And so there, I kind of... Um, you know, eased up. Um, I would stay with him in Delray Beach on the weekends, and I was in Port St. Lucie, where I worked um, during the week. So, you know, it, it eased up. I mean, when he and I would go out, we would drink, but it wasn't to the level of um, where I had been before. Um, so we were dating 11 months, and um, he worked um, out of a the Miami office, and he wanted to move back. He had lived in Atlanta or in Georgia before, and he wanted to move back. So at 11 months, he asked me if I would come with him, and um, I retired then. Um, I was fortunate that I could. Um, and with that, my parents put their house up after 25 years of living in Florida and followed us. Um, and uh, so retirement wasn't, you know, some people think it sounds glorious, but it's not, guys. <laughs> um, boredom was not good for me, so I took up drinking as my hobby. Um, <laughs> Jane. Um, so uh, my parents moved up in April, um, and my dad had been battle battling um, a set of, uh, things, and, um, he was going to the VA hospital, and, um, they were just sending him home with morphine and not diagnosing him with anything, so finally my husband made the call and said, you know, told my father you're going to, you know, a regular hospital, so... He did, and that was in July, and um, within 30 minutes, they diagnosed him with cancer, which was all through his body. So, that was a tough one for me. So, he decided to do, um, he was 83, he decided to do radiation and um, chemo. And uh, I took them every day, my mom and I. And um, August 19th, um, on his birthday, 
um, he was rushed to the hospital. And my husband, my mom, and I were there with him, and he was in bad shape. And he said to us, I'm saying goodbye. <laughs> Sorry. And I said, no, Dad. So they decided to do a procedure in his neck, I believe. Um, I'm looking at my husband for And um, once they took him in, they could not do it because of his veins, correct? So they moved him, um, they admitted him, and they moved him up, and um, I was in charge of everything, and the doctor called me out into the hallway and said that all his organs were shutting down. And um, that was by far the worst, worst thing that ever happened. Um, so he made it through the night. I asked him if um, he wanted me to stay or if he just wanted my mom there, and he said, go home. So my mom called us in the morning. Um, we rushed over there. He was still breathing. Um, I called on my siblings and let them talk into his ear um, to let him know that it was okay to go. And um, so there started my drinking career even worse. Um, and um, the sad part of it is because he had a father that was alcoholic and uh, borderline his sister, um, he used to talk to me, and he never even saw me at my worst, um, about drinking and to be careful because it was in our family. So that's what I did when he passed away, the complete opposite of what he would have wanted me to do. So, basically, I never grieved his um, death until I got out of detox because I just um, self-medicated about it. With that came a lot of visits to psychiatrists and therapists and tons of medications, sometimes seven of them at a time, and nothing was helping because I never said I was an alcoholic. So we moved, um, decided to move back to Florida, and uh, my mom moved in with us. And again, 2017 um, was the beginning of the end. Um, I uh, had surgery, and... Um, so at this point, um, it was 5 o'clock in the morning, shots of vodka. And then throughout the day, um, you know, the little bottles from racetrack and drinking them in my car or in the bathroom there. And um, I drove drunk more than I did sober, and I'm totally embarrassed to say that. Um, I mean, who cares what I would have done to myself because I made that choice, but what if I killed somebody else? You know, I just was not thinking. I was very selfish. Um, so I had the surgery. I was drinking, of course, and at that moment I was on pain pills. I never had a problem with pain pills, but that combination of my prescribed medications, the pain pills, and the alcohol, um, it was Easter Day. And um, 
that there had been an ongoing problem in the family because of me. Um, with my, uh, with, um, something that I did really stupid. And, um, they came over, some of my family came over because they came to see the house. Because we had just moved down there, back to Florida. And, um, something happened and, uh, I went after my sister-in-law and attacked her. So, of course, they left. My mother-in-law was visiting at the time, and um, my husband is the one that pulled me away, and then I uh, proceeded to start punching him. So he got his mother in the car, and they left, and I was trying to call him because I wanted to justify my actions, and he wouldn't answer. So finally, I text a message to him that I was going to use his gun to kill myself. Now... You know, that was just a cry for him to call me. Um, I don't even know how to shoot a gun. Um, I did once, but under the direction from him at a, at a um, gun range. Um, so with that, I passed out in my bed. And next thing I know, I hear my mom's voice, and I wake up to a male and female cop standing at my bed. So they told me that I, uh, they were taking me to a facility um, to get dressed and um, handcuffed Easter Day in front of my house, in front of all my neighbors, and um, took me to a hospital, um, a regular hospital, but it was the floor for uh, apparently the insane. Um, so I was to stay there for two days, but, um, since I had just had surgery, um, they ended up letting me out early, um, which I probably should have stayed there and went, continued on to somewhere else. But, um, they, you know, talked to me and then they said to me, we're going to give you a shot. I'm like, shot for what? You know, because I'm perfectly fine. And they're like, because you, your blood alcohol content is so high, we don't want you to have a seizure. So the next day I met with the coordinator, and she was talking to me, and she's like, you had a, you know, a huge amount of alcohol in your system. I said, yeah, it was Easter, you know. My family, we were all drinking. Yeah. But um, so she's like, oh, okay. She said, well, I spoke to your husband. I said, oh. And she said, um, he informs me that he found a bottle of vodka in your closet. So what do you say to that? So she said, I'm going to put it in since you had surgery um, and you can leave tomorrow. But I think you should consider getting some help. That wasn't enough. So I continued years of um, drinking and driving. Um, I would hide it during the day, but then I would go out and drink what I normally would. Um, uh, one day, I'm going to try not to elaborate on this drunk club too long, but one day I um, was doing shots of vodka at home, and I my mom was getting her hair done. I got in the car, went to racetrack to get my, you know, my fill of wine, and I just, I don't 
can't tell you. I blacked out. Don't ask me. But I ended up somewhere where I had no clue. So I called my husband. Now, we shared a car. So my mom was out. He had his motorcycle. So he asked me to give him the name of the street. So I did. And um, I don't know what I did in that time. I stayed there. He got there, parked his motorcycle um, on the sidewalk, and took me right to the hospital. Don't remember any of that. Woke up at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Had no clue what happened. So he picked me up and, you know, talked to me a little bit. But my husband um, or my family never really, you know, every once in a while he would say when he would find a solo cup with just vodka in it, like, you have a problem with alcohol. But never said to me, you need to get help. Um... And, you know, I sometimes wonder, like, why didn't anybody say that to me? But I wouldn't have listened. We all know that, right? Um, so there was that. So that's twice um, to the hospital because of alcohol. Finally, um, my husband made an appointment for me to see a psychiatrist. Wasn't my first one in my lifetime. So, anyways, she was trying all different medications. Nothing was happening because I was drinking. So, finally, they decided that I needed to see a psychiatrist in West Palm Beach who did the ECT treatment. <laughs> so, um, we did that. It was during COVID. Um, they do eight treatments. Um, and my husband would... Uh, take off from work a couple times a week to drive me 45 minutes away to have that. But guess what Susie did? She woke up first thing and started down her vodka before she went. You know, you're not supposed to eat or drink anything after midnight. So after a few, she um, said to my husband, I think alcohol is a factor here. Um, I never knew that. Um so then they did another round. Now, when you have them done, your memory. So what I'm saying, like, sometimes I don't remember things, and I'm probably glad that some things I don't remember, but um, it definitely affects your memory. And then they did eight more treatments, and then they did TMS, where they also do, like, a shocking of your brain also. None of it worked. So um, it just progressed, progressed progressed and then um, I was sick for the last year very sick and finally on Memorial Day uh, my husband took me to the emergency room I wanted to go and um, as soon as the doctor came up he's like so I see you have a um, pasta with alcohol I said yeah and um, he said okay there's some tests he came back my husband had stepped away to get a cup of coffee and um, he told me, Susie, you have alcohol gastritis, and you need to stop drinking. Can you do that? Sure. Absolutely. So, um, excuse me. So with that, um, they give me all this kind of medication that Susie felt fine again. And we went home, and my husband went to let the dogs out, and there was an open bottle of wine on the refrigerator door, and Susie proceeded to jug that bottle of wine, no glass, because um, I was feeling better, right? So I can still drink. 
Went back another time to the ER, was told the same thing, went to my regular doctor, was told, Susie, you know, your your liver enzymes are, like, off the charts. So um, the last six months that I was drinking, I, everybody, I told everybody I had, I didn't tell everybody the exact truth, of course. Um, I just said I had gastritis. I didn't include the alcohol part. So, so um, yeah, so I continued. But as far as my family, my husband, and my mother were concerned, I had quit. And, you know, you know how we think we're so smart. And we pull it off really well, right? Yeah, okay. And I had this habit of um, picking up the phone when I was my drunkest and calling family members. Like, really, Susie, go sit in your closet and be by yourself, why do you have to reach out, right? So, again, the combinations of all my prescribed medications and that. So, um, you know, my my sister-in-law was the biggest one. Like, she would call my husband and be like, what is going on? Susie just called me. She was coming home from the food store, and she was wondering why the garage door didn't open. It was because she was in the wrong driveway. And I thought that was funny, and I shared that with her. <laughs> so uh, it's it, it's good that I can laugh at it by now. Um, so yeah, it just progressed more and more. Um, they knew I hadn't stopped. You know, my mom would look at me weird in the kitchen, and my husband would go like this to her. So you know, my mom would ask, "Are you know, are you drinking?" No. So, anyways, um, finally. Um, what woke me up, um, I, uh, came back one morning, morning from food shopping and, um, I opened the door and I fell out of my car onto my driveway and thank God I had my purse on my shoulder because I had to call my husband to get me up. So that was where, you know, and then, you know, a week, you know, the week, after that, I was, you know, texting people like I was so ugly because I was in such a dark place that I wanted everybody to be as miserable as I was. But I also wanted to, like, disconnect from everybody because I felt if I disconnected, I could do and be the person that I wanted to be. Drink, 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 right? So, you know, when I went to the um, psychiatrist, they used to ask me, you know, do you ever want to hurt yourself, kill yourself? And I'm like, no. But you know what, guys? That's what I was doing, you know, to my liver. So, um, finally, on um, August 4th, um, I was in the uh, kitchen with my mom. My husband went out to get um, takeout. And I just looked at her, and I said, Mom, and, and guys, when I tell you this is not something that I planned, this is not something that remotely went through my brain. And there I was telling my mom, I'm an alcoholic, and I cannot stop. I can't do it by myself. So she cried, and my husband got home, and he was happy, so, you know, he was going to take that. So the next day, first thing in the morning, before I changed my mind, he called around for detox facilities, 
And um, Friday morning at 9.30 in the morning, um, August 6th, I walked through the doors of uh, Coastal Detox in Stewart, Florida, and um, I had no idea where my life was going, but I knew that I wanted to divorce alcohol. You know, unfortunately, it took me 53 years, but um, it was time. So, God gave me the courage um, to say out loud um, that I ha- that I was an alcoholic, which everybody knew. Detox got me through withdrawals and gave me the um, initial knowledge of my disease, of my alcoholism. And this program, AA, keeps me sober on a daily basis. Um, so, uh, comes to the day that I'm getting out of detox. I was there for two weeks. And, um, they, my therapist there advised me to, um, you know, to do IOP. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to be fine because AA was coming, you know, twice a week when I was in detox. And I really, like, um, loved when they came. And what they had to say. So I'm like, I'm just going to go to AA. It's, you know, 10 minutes from my house. So they talked me into, before they would release me, to getting aware recovery. And I'm sure many of you know have heard of them. So I had them for two months. And they would come to the house um, three times a week in the beginning. And they would check my urine. And um, But it got to a point where... Um, they felt that they, you know, they didn't know what to talk to me about. Because at that point, from day one, a week after my first day in AA, I was going to two meetings, sometimes three, every single day. Um, you know, I couldn't get enough of it. I was, uh, made up my mind that I was going to throw myself into AA and I was going to be Miss AA. Because I go to extremes, right? So I did everything that was suggested to me because that first time, that first meeting, my sweet mother came with me, um, I looked around and these people were laughing. And, you know, they were carrying themselves. None of them were, like, miserable like I felt. And, um, you know, I knew right away that I wanted what they had. Um, by the grace of God, since the day I walked into detox, um, this whole journey has been um, super easy for me. Yeah. And uh, in Florida, when I used to say that in my first 90 days, people, like, hated me for it, you know? Um, I don't know why, but I just go with it. I don't question it. I did service. I stayed connected. Um, I... Um, you know, I love these meetings. I don't need to come, um, but I want to. And like I said, picking up a drink has never been a problem for me. It's emotional sobriety. And for that, I get my medication every single day here. If I go out of town, I go to meetings. I use a meeting guide and I find it. Um, you know, and, and I just had family visiting um, from New Jersey and... um I didn't go to a meeting for five days. Didn't want to drink, but I felt myself swirly, and I 
I'm pretty sure my husband noticed it, too. Um, and my mom, you know, I'm perfect in her eyes, so. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, and, uh, you know, when I was moving here four months ago, um, that's one of the things that I was really concerned about is how close to a hall was I going to be. Um, because um, I had a good fellowship hall there. They got me sober and kept me sober. Um, so, and I came here to visit when we were looking for a house, and I found Cow Place. And so, in the beginning, when we were looking for houses, we were basing it on, we put in the address and see how far each house was to the Cow Place. Now, you do realize that there's plenty of meetings, okay, but I wanted to be here. So then I said, okay, because we weren't, you know, it was a week. We weren't finding a home. I'm like, okay, I have to kind of do whatever. So finally, um, my husband found a house like two days before we were supposed to leave for our extended time here. And um, he texts me here at a meeting, and he's like, I found a house. It's perfect. I made an offer before we even see it. Get home so we can go. Well, he didn't say get home, but I said to myself, get home, because I want to see this house. So we're driving, and we're coming down Bell's Ferry, and I see Hal Place, because then I didn't know anywhere without GPS. And I look down to the address that we were going to look at five minutes from here. And you know that house was the perfect house? We saw others. We were getting frustrated, but you know what? There was God again in my life because it just all came together and um, being here um, I'm sure you all realize how fortunate we are to have how place because it's amazing here um, I was scared to move fearful and I found something bigger and better than where I was going before um, I still stay connected to my ladies down there um, like I said, I stay connected here. I stay connected here. Um, my life is, I still have my friends that are normies, but, um, for the most part, um, all of you are my family, my family that I can't live without. You all get me through, and, uh, you know, my sponsor... Miss MJ, she can't be here today. She's out of town. But she sent um, to a group text to all of us ladies last week that we all help, we all love her on a daily basis until she loves herself. And that's true for all of us. Um, that's how I feel. Um, you know, who would ever, ever think that I would say that I'm fortunate to be an alcoholic? But, you know, um, I have this program, and when I experience people that piss me off, I say, bless their heart, they don't have a program. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to end with this. I, uh, I have a daily reprieve that I uh, hook some of my girlfriends up that I get every day, um, an email. And um, I just want to read something really quick from it. 
and then I will let you guys be free. <laughs> okay. It says, so I need the program every day. If the monster in me ever gets really loose and really operative, I run the risk of taking back control and grandiosity and out-of-whack perspectives and the my-way-at-any-cost kind of thinking that will let me drink again. Maybe the monster rises up for the same reason drinking dreams recur. To remind me I am never cured, just given a temporary reprieve. To make me know I need the program to send me running back to a meeting asking for help. So, no matter what that comes up in my life, um, I know deep within, as well as I don't pick up that first drink, that I'm going to be okay. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.